0: Oi, oi, oi! Welcome back to the Doggy Juice Pod, changing the way you think as a sports better. This is episode 11, Tuesday evening, October 9th, and we're coming off yet another big winning weekend in college football in the NFL, going up 10.1 units in college football week 6 and up exactly 9.0 units in NFL week 5 after adjusting for VIG. That is over 19 units of profit last weekend. The podcast plays were hot again last week, so congrats to anyone who followed along for the ride. In Super Contest, the Doggy Juice picks went 3-2, and which was actually great in a week where the consensus picks did very poorly. So right now we're sitting tied for fourth place out of the 193 entrants in the version of the Super Contest that I play in. So it was a great week. We still have not had a losing week yet to start this football season. We've only had... One losing day. It was that the uh, one of the first college football Saturdays, I believe week two or week three. and that was only a slight loser. so we're, we're still hot, we're winning. We're building the bankroll. This has been an amazing start. Strap on for the ride, continue to win in the long term, stick to the process, keep winning baby. In this episode, I will touch on some quick that is fucking loud. Jesus. In this episode, I will touch on some quick hitters and then go right to my interview with AJ Cool, the face of all Chicago sports fans and a regular on the Chicago poker scene. He's a guy I go way back with, and we'll hear his thoughts on the Chicago teams and some other topics. And then we have a special message from a special degenerate at the end of the pod, and then I'll close this thing out with a quick look ahead at this weekend's slate. Sound good? All right, let's jump right to it, starting with some quick hitters. Yeah. Buddy. starting off quickly first with that khabib versus mcgregor match and i realized i was pronouncing it khabib in the last podcast so i apologize for my poor pronunciation i guess it's khabib but khabib it was pretty clear that he outmatched mcgregor in that fight and mcgregor never really even stood a chance although that third round um if he, if he would have got a shot in that would have been pretty interesting but I ended up taking some minus 165 with Khabib when I saw some of the sharper books go up to minus 190 right before the fight, especially since you knew it was all sharp money coming in, coming in on Khabib. Um, all the tickets seemed to be coming in on McGregor, the smaller tickets, and but the sharp money was coming in on Khabib and that was moving the line. So once that became apparent, I, I put a unit on Khabib there and was never really in doubt. Um, it was a great fight. What happened afterwards, obviously, kind of marred things, but... I think that's kind of what the UFC wants moving forward, and I think we might have a solid chance of getting a rematch in that one as well. And I've heard that the rematch look-ahead line that the books are starting to put out is Khabib at least minus 300, maybe even up to minus 400. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes from there. But it was a great fight. Anyone, Anybody who got in on Khabib at that low price cashed their ticket, and they kind of knew it <laughs> the first few minutes into that fight that uh, whoever was on McGregor was like, pretty much knew that they could wipe their ass with their tickets at that point. In the NFL and college this past weekend, the dogs were barking. <coughs> home dogs are 16-6 and six against the spread so far in the NFL. It's my favorite thing to do is play home dogs, and dogs in general. I always look to play underdogs over favorites, at least take a first look at those. Um, and this week, it was really out in full force. I talked about it in the podcast last week how uh, Chris Feliga had an interesting tweet about unranked teams the past few years um, beating ranked teams in the first weekend of October, and that held true this first week as well. Uh, this first weekend of October in college, we saw some, some upsets, and then the NFL, the, the dogs continued to bark. Bad beats. They happen every weekend, but this week there were some pretty brutal ones. Um, one of my top plays on the podcast last week was the Miami Dolphins, I caught plus seven, and that was a lemony snicket's of ser- series of unfortunate events and unlikely events that took place to beat us on that one. The Dolphins were up seventeen to zero in the middle of the third quarter and dominating the game. They're up seventeen to three in the fourth quarter, mind you, catching seven points. So you know they're well at that point they're twenty four points up on the spread, and then a fluke up for grabs mixing touchdown happens, then two defensive touchdowns for. Cincinnati, Tannehill threw a ball that hit someone, someone's helmet and landed right in the breadbasket of the Cincinnati defender, uh, Johnson, who housed it. And at that point, Miami was still down by three with the ball and two minutes left. So you figured, okay, it's still going to cover unless something crazy happens. And then, nope, another fumble six with 53 seconds left uh, for Cincy to go up by 10. It was, <laughs> so that's all she wrote at that one. It was one of the worst beats you'll see all year, but that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. I mean, you you got to be prepared for that stuff when you get your money in good i mean that was a great bet i'd I'd make it again and i lost the bet sometimes it's some of your better bets um with a good handicap that end up losing so you just got to roll with the punches don't let it affect you and stick to the process that was a tough one for us to deal with but hey it's just one game you're going to get some good ones and and in the long term that stuff will even out notre dame they are going to be favored in every remaining game on their schedule. So if they win out, they're going to be in the college football playoff, which really throws a wrench in things for the bigger conference teams. They're going to need some help. So if you're a fan of you know some of those top SEC schools or Big Ten school, you got to start cheering against Notre Dame right now because if they win out, that's one less spot in the college football playoff that's going to go towards uh, a big conference team. The Chiefs. And the NFL are off to an incredible start at five and zero, and they're obviously the story of the 2018 season so far. But here are some reasons to slow your roll on them before considering buying that short price on them to win the Super Bowl. The last year they started five and zero in 2000. So okay, last year they started five and zero. In 2013 they started nine and zero. In 2010 they started three and zero, and in 2003 they started nine and zero. What do all of those years have in common, including last year? The Chiefs did not win one single playoff game in any of those years. So I would be especially concerned with them this year, given their really terrible running defense, especially in the colder months when December and January come around. That is not going to be ideal for Mahomes in that high-powered passing offense, and especially not good for that terrible run defense when conditions are brutal and teams ground and pound it more. So remember what happened with them last year. Not that it's going to happen again this year, but I think the way that team is constructed when the cold winter months come, I will be looking to fade them, especially if they continue winning around this time of the year. Field goal kicker shenanigans. There were 20 missed kicks on Sunday in the NFL alone between missed extra points and missed field goals. And then I know that uh, that Lutz for uh, the Saints that missed at least one extra point on Monday night football. And Mason Crosby for the Packers, he accounted for about a quarter of those, missing five kicks, four field goals, and one extra point. But... Just goes to show you the field goal kicking or place kickers in the NFL and in college, they can decide a game. They can also just decide a point spread. So handicap your kickers. The Broncos under coach Vance Joseph are, uh, they're on a two and 14 against the spread run. And if they get blown out at home this week against the Rams, right, then he might be the first coach to go this year. Uh, They're already catching seven and a half points at home. So it's, at least the Vegas Lions and all the sports books are projecting this one to be somewhat of a blowout. So keep this one in mind, Vance Joseph, the Broncos, things are not looking good for them right now. And speaking of coaches that I don't think will make it through the season, Bill O'Brien of the Texans. a Monday night, the, the Texans were the first team since 2001 to have three field goals of 21 yards or fewer in one game. The amount of time that of times that they screwed it up on the one or two yard line and, and put Watson in shotgun formation. That was, that was alarming. Like what is Bill O'Brien thinking with that? I mean, why shotgun every time you have Deshaun Watson, just do the, if it's me, just do the Tom Brady or Drew Brees, just line everybody up, put Watson right behind the, the center, hike the ball to him and then just tuck the ball over, you know, just put it over the goal line really quick and tuck it back in like Brady and Brees do. Like, I don't understand why other, quarterbacks don't, text, don't do not don't do, don't do that it's physically have uh, more strength physically like deshaun watson so terrible coaching and i think i feel like terrible coaching decisions was the theme of the weekend it happens to be the theme in every weekend in the nfl in college um but especially the nfl these guys are professional coaches for professional sports teams i mean they're i've said they're all professional coaches but these are pro teams and jason garrett punting it jason garrett of the cowboys punting it on the texans 42 yard line on fourth and one like, after they got no gain on third and one with Zeke, they decided, okay, let's just punt it. Let's net 20 yards and be done with it. The analytics behind that decision are staggeringly stone-age and terrible. And a quarterback sneak there is over 80% success rate. And you just want to net 20 yards of the punt, especially with the most expensive offensive line in the NFL and one of the best running backs in Zeke. Like, and Jason Garrett just ignored the math there. And it boggles my mind that some of these coaches made these decisions On such a high level. And on the flip side, you have guys like Frank Reich and the Colts doing the exact opposite and going for it on fourth and two in overtime in your own territory. It's just stupid. Know the situation. Know the odds. Know the analytics. Hire someone if you have to. These decisions are huge. They can decide a game. And when you're making these boneheaded moves like that, and not just to even play, not to be resulting and looking at the result without the process, this is the process. If it doesn't work in that situation, At least you knew you did the right thing. The one coach in the NFL that does this right is Sean McVay, the Rams coach. You saw him go for it on fourth down to put that game away. Snuck it with Jared Goff. That's the right move. This guy embraces analytics. Watch him. like Sean McVay is such a breath of fresh air in the NFL right now. And that's why he's doing so well so quickly. It's not just because of the personnel. It's coaching. Coaching goes a long way, even in the NFL. So look what he's doing compared to, to guys like Jason Garrett or Frank Reich and you name it so many terrible coaching decisions that go on in the NFL. It's just mind boggling. An interesting trend that came into play, um, on Monday night football this past week. And to keep in mind moving forward is the team playing on Monday night football. When a team plays on Monday night football prior to their bye week since 1997, the over in those games is 37 and 12. This came into play with the saints on Monday night football last night. Um, The game went over the total. Saints are on their bye next week, so that that trend's now 37 and 12 since 1997. If you think about it, teams are you know they're more likely to just not rest their guys and actually run up a score. There's a lot of reasons for that to be the case. So I think this is a good trend to look look at in the future if you're looking at a team that has a bye week after a Monday night game. All right, so that's all I'm going to touch on for now on quick hitters. It's time to move on to our next interview. It's with a man that I go way back with. I met him freshman year in college the very first day. This guy I know quite well, and I'm excited to bring him on. He's a big-time sports guy and is very involved in the Chicago poker scene, also has an interest in sports betting as well. Without further ado, here's my interview with A.J. Cool. All right, we're here with our next guest, a man by the name of A.J. Cool, a guy I've known for a very long time. How's it going, man? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. So let's jump right to this. I've been looking forward to this interview like a lot because you're actually you're responsible for one of the top three worst bets of my life. Really? Uh, pro- probably more than that as well, but this one's in the running for number one in freshman year of college. You and I go way back from college. We go way back. Um, Freshman year of college, we were playing Madden a lot, especially me. And we played so much Madden that I don't know who came up with the idea, but we decided to play a game at the fraternity house, and the loser had to shave his head or buzz his head, like a a one style or whatever, size one. And, of course, you won the game, even though, I mean – probably agree with me i probably won about 70 or 80 percent of the games we play either At that least. or you were yeah, e- either that or you were just totally playing with me the whole time just for that moment i don't know but you won that game i'll never forget it you just kept doing screen passes to like one of your running backs the whole time i, I only passed the ball in the flat to the right side yeah and, and i couldn't solve it couldn't didn't have the personnel so you ended up just doing that the whole damn game i tried even like switching the coverage up so i was but you, you figured it out you beat me And I shaved my head, and then I ended up, like, buying pills to try and make my hair grow back faster. Instead, I I ordered—instead, I accidentally ordered a bunch of bitches-going-crazy videos, not girls-going-wild, but I—you know that story. I accidentally ordered those
1: to my mom's house. I believe if we are being accurate, it was called Wild Party Girls. Wild Party Girls, that's what it was. On VHS. VHS. Ordered them to my mom's house on accident while
0: drunk. Then I sent them a drunken email telling them not to send the videos to my mom's house— the videos definitely went to my mom's house, and I had to deal with that one. But, but they're actually pretty good. They're not as good as the.
1: And I do believe she brought them with your younger siblings up for parents' yeah. weekend. Lasagna. Yep. Yes. That's
0: it. Yeah. Um, so you and I, in in terms of like gambling, we go way back. And besides that, Madam, one, you are you're very active in the the poker community and the Chicago poker scene. And I mean, going back from our days as freshmen in college, I mean man I, I I joined Bodog when before it was Bavada when I when I met you so um yeah. yeah so you're you're a man who loves loves games of chance and you you love poker so I'm glad to have you on um so in terms of the Chicago poker scene though I wanted to I wanted to hear your take on that because you're you're pretty active in it what's the what's the poker scene like in Chicago right now
1: yeah, you know it's um it's busy it's uh the the activity at uh horseshoe, you know, I can't tell you it's it's funny talking to guys because everyone has a different take on you know if they're busier or less busy and a lot of times that probably depends on if you're a degenerate there at Monday at four thirty in the morning or if you're there on a Saturday night um, but you know I, I I've switched to the last two years I do probably. 90 percent of my playing at local home games in chicago versus uh going to horseshoe um and uh you know it's it's a it's a back and forth argument with myself it's a it's a convenient factor uh for being you know closer to home and a shorter drive um but at the same time there's really no one going to those games uh on a weekly basis who who doesn't know what they're doing at a, at a card right. table. Um, and they're definitely nights where like you you leave feeling like you made all the right decisions, uh, and you know you're stuck a thousand bucks, and you, yeah. can't, you can't figure out why. And there are times you leave, you know, and uh, you're up two, three thousand bucks, and you don't know why either. Um, <laughs> at, at least at the stakes I play, at. you know, the the community itself is, I I actually probably more than the poker itself, just enjoy the community and the people you meet. You know, the oh, people yeah. I play with most of the time are not people I would be. Uh, hanging out with on a weekly basis. Yeah, but like um, one time you texted me, you were like, okay, I'm at a table right now with like a bunch of sushi restaurant owners.
2: Yes. A
0: uh, couple yeah, degenerate yeah. like just a bunch of just random random people yeah. For walks.
1: Yeah, it's funny you you get uh nobody knows each other's last names. Everyone knows like the name plus a nickname and it's never flattering. It's always like you know like someone will say Brian's coming and you'll People get excited because it's sushi Brian, but then it's actually <laughs> Italian Brian, and then uh, it's like you, you, people don't know that you're in the bathroom, and they ask, you know, if Fat Allen is or Fat, you know, whoever's coming. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. You you walk out, and it's like, oh, I guess that's me, and everyone just kind of laughs awkwardly. Uh, but <laughs> it's it, like but, you know, it's you, you have different uh, levels. You know, the the I think the average Chicago like grinder who's trying to play full time and you know play the decent amount of home games will do probably a 50 50 split you know between um uh you know somewhere like the shoe or you know potawatomi is actually getting more and more popular especially people who are living on the north side yeah it's not drastically longer of a drive and people are saying that the games there are quite a bit looser with better action and less skilled players um and they actually run a couple big games uh that kind of compete with horseshoes wednesday night games where they run you know five five mixed or five ten no limit or um custom awesome games you know 50 100 they're
0: trying, trying um, to pick the people pluck the people from chicago go up there up north to milwaukee yeah uh, i think
1: you know, it's, it's just probably the next biggest card room in the midwest um interesting. just in terms of action so people uh they like going up there there's also to be honest that these uh, home games the more i've learned the more i've played there's a lot of people who get kicked out of horseshoe or get banned for life uh, uh, just for being good or for being um, no, just no, breaking no. other rules. Yeah, yeah for, for for breaking the rules, for arguing. You know, a lot of times their stories are, you know, tell you a crazy story uh, without naming the guy's name. A guy who was probably playing six days a week there, um, got kicked out uh, maybe a year ago. He he got just to make up numbers here. He basically bought in for like three grand at the cage. Mm-hmm. The cage gave him thirty five hundred. He sat So they, they made the mistake. He sat, sits down at the table, realizes the mistake, takes his chips back to the cage where he shows them the air. They take the 500 back. He goes back and plays, uh, leaves. The next day comes back and gets stopped by security, who tells him you know, that they got him flagged for getting too many chips from the cage. He explains what happens. There, there, there's no argument that he did go back to the cage, but they say that when he went back the second time, they gave him like thirty one hundred. Uh, he he argues it. He pays it back the hundred dollars. They let him play that day. Next time he shows up, they say that he he's on a ban. So, really? Yeah, you hear some of these like crazy stories. I mean, you know, ones who people are throwing drinks or swearing. Yeah. Or, well, the, yeah, those I understand. Yeah, like when you're blatant like that, but wow. but but you have to realize it's not just you know the location in north you know in in, in Indiana. It's mm-hmm. it's a nationwide ban for you know, a company that owns a lot of casinos. Harrah's, right. Right. A lot of people get affected in Vegas and have to, like, you know, call their VIP manager out there to try to get them off, and it's been challenging. So um, that that only helps home games grow. Interesting. There's a lot of characters in that, especially, like, when you
0: just told that story and some of the people that get kicked out, but you probably just encounter so many people from different walks of life. I think the common denominator in everybody is – not that we're degenerates, but we just enjoyed, just love to gamble, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know I just love there's it. There's a guy, there's a guy I play with uh, who I'll probably be playing with in a couple hours tonight. Um, <laughs> in game uh, on the near North Side. It's a PLO game. Who uh, his his phrase. Which I think fits a lot of people perfectly is I'd rather be playing and losing than not playing at all. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I guess, and like I guess that, that kind of, of makes sense. <laughs> yeah, like it's one of those phrases that people say, and it's you know, you 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 dunk off a three four hundred dollar buy-in to start a PLO game, but then when you're stuck like three grand, it's not so funny anymore. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, um, some people
0: justify it that way, but I mean, that's. That's an, i always love those texts i get from you at like it could be at any hour i'll wake up it'll be like from four in the morning or something at like one in the morning it's just like
1: you're telling me some bad beat stories or this one guy did this or one guy did that i, I love yeah. those texts it's it's one of those annoying things where like you know no one wants to hear the story and there's always a worse story so like you pause and then a minute later you're like texting the person you think might care a little bit just <laughs> because you have to tell somebody
0: oh yeah. you gotta get it off your chest right? do you have any good uh recent bad beat stories or any that you would like to share?
1: You know what the 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 two. So playing more PLO recently, you get less. You you're 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 desensitized to bad beats, right? Because a, a nut flush on the turn that turns into a nut, uh, you know, not straight on the turn turns into a nut flush on the uh or on the river to the turn. You, you know, doesn't get paid off on the river all the time. You know, it's a different mm-hmm. game. So uh, when when the board pairs, but uh twice in the last two months once at potawatomi and once at horseshoe i was sitting once at the table and once next to the only other uh table at two five running when the bad beat actually hit uh one it was for 150 grand and for like 140 grand and i had just gotten up like both times the one time i wasn't at the table would have paid out you know 20 grand table share and the one in Pottawatomi they pay a room share so that was like four grand everybody that's sitting uh, there gets it everyone who's sitting in the room yeah wow. the so it was like a double gut punch on it it's one of those things like you know you never expect to hit it but at the same time like if you actually put anyone on a you know lie detector everyone expects to hit it <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> right I mean some people do you ever have guys like just Sitting there, playing the lowest limits, you know, minimum buy-in. Just sitting there, getting blinded out. Just sitting there, just so they have a chance at hitting yes. that jackpot. Yes. yes, and
1: they're the absolute worst. Yeah, it's gonna be the worst. Yes, yeah, so it's awful. She's and yes, uh, the yeah, so they joke about it, uh, like you know, when two people are in a hand and there's, it's obviously not a hand where both people have the nuts and second nuts. They're like rooting for it and just fucking up action when some has That's top cool. pair versus like other open-ended straight draw. It's, you know, <laughs> That's just, terrible karma. That's, yeah, just so, the yeah. so, um so yeah. It's like the guy who bets the don't pass on in craps at the
0: you know the room, a crowded casino room. Yes. And no one yes. wants to see that guy. Nobody wants to see anyway, with yeah. that guy, right. Yeah. Well I, I love the connection between poker and sports betting because I think they're so linked, not just from you know the angle of them both being, you know, betting and gambling, games of chance, but also like the mindset involved and all of the psychological um, things that come into play like like confirmation bias, recency bias, every, and also just putting your chips in the middle and knowing that you have the money in good, so to speak. I think it's the same thing for sports betting where you know you you found a good line on a game, you put your money in, and then from there bad beats happen, whatever. but it's the same psychological aspects that come into play in both of them, so there's a huge for me there's a, there's a huge um, crossover between the two.
1: Yeah, it is. I guess, like for me as someone who will sports bet very casually, um, the difference that I have a problem with is like just to use a simple example, right? If I get like, if I'm playing like one two no limit, and I decide to go all in pre flop with aces, right? Easiest decision you can make, and I get called down with kings. Like I, I know the exact percentage of right. how often that person catches me and how often they don't. And so it's like 87% or something, something like that. Right, yeah. right in there. Yeah. And so like, I, I, I can live not even looking at that flop. And if, you know, somebody else screams, I, I know what happens. I think the part I personally have a harder time with not doing as so much sports betting is like, let's say that I determine, you know, I'm, I'm listening to your podcast, which I do, you know, a couple times a week and I decide like this line that we talk about is a great line. Right. Uh, and so I, I make uh, a larger bet on that and then that team loses you know it's called it NFL they lose by five touchdowns yeah. right so uh, it's uh, even if you were to tell me you know like it was an anomaly which I guess it is uh, it's it's a harder thing for me to convince myself that that team doesn't win by five touchdowns you know in that game at right. least three out of the four times right not well yeah, there's there's just so many other variables at play. Like once your aces
0: are down against the Kings, that's it. You know, you just, you got five cards coming, you got the odds there, but in sports betting, there's so many more, especially in like the the softer markets, like college basketball, college football and stuff. There's just so many, so much more variability in the NFL. I guess it's tighter lines, but, but yeah, I, I totally see that, that connection where poker, at least there's, that's it. You just got the cards coming and that's it.
1: The other nice thing is when you lose in poker, you can scream at the dealer and blame them too. I mean, yeah, a right. Cool <laughs> of... Right, flip, flip the chips, punch somebody out, or something. Right, right. just have horrible, horrible table demeanor. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty
0: much. Pretty much what you explained before. Some of those guys getting kicked out. You know, you can't really, you know, punch your. You don't want to punch a computer when you lose a bet on on some sports betting website. You know, right. So, there you go. So, so you do comedy. You're actually a stand-up comedian, one of the many hats that you wear. And you somehow parlayed your your stand-up comedy career. You've been on Second City and everything. You parlayed that career to star on Comcast Sportsnet Chicago commercials. I've seen you, and you've done a few. And so you're basically the face, like for me, you're, you're the face of all Chicago sports fans. I think that's a reasonable conclusion for this. I mean, there's one commercial where you're
1: with, with David Kaplan and uh, what's the girl's name? Uh, uh, Kelly Kroll, Kelly Kroll, yeah. Yes, we're eating at Harry and restaurant, where I got to eat the same piece of salmon over and over again for two hours. Oh, do you even like salmon? Is I do, <laughs> oh. I do. but It, it just get cold, <laughs> cold like that. That the, the Kroll chick too. So anyway, <laughs> well, uh, well, when I was uh, when I was at uh, the um, the wild card game last week that we lost uh, to the Brewers, we walked. My dad and I walked right in and right into Kelly Kroll, and my dad is a uh, he's a big fan. And uh, he says, "Alan, go go over and reintroduce yourself." And I, um, <laughs> before I could say no, he was already yelling, "Like Kelly, it's, it's my son, Alan." <laughs> no about, so. yeah, did she remember you at least? No, no, it is it <laughs> that it, it is. she probably deals with a lot of
0: people. But anyway, since you are the, the the face of every Chicago sports fan, like literally, I'd like to get your take on all of the teams right now, um, sure. just quickly. So. I mean, you're a huge Cubs fan, probably the biggest one I know, and that's saying a lot. But, um, you, I mean, you have season tickets, you were a, a Wrigley vendor, you've been around the team forever. How was, and you were at the wildcard game, how was the game and what are your takeaways from the Cubs from the season? And what do you think they should do and will do moving forward?
1: You know, the game itself was uh, long, and I had decided to stop drinking about two weeks before to do a sober month, and I picked the wrong game to uh, go into with no alcohol considering <laughs> I went to the bottom of 13 for five hours and 15 minutes. You know what? It was one of those games where you, you didn't feel like you were going to win. Moment, <laughs> and if you did win, you didn't feel like you were going to win the next series. Um, and so it wasn't, uh, I, you know, it was like, a lot of adrenaline and it was a great game to be at and say you were at. Um, I went with my dad because we went to the 1998 Giants winning year end game. Uh, and I tried to wear that t-shirt, but it came out throughout my stomach. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, it, it, the game went about as well as you could expect, given how we played the last three yeah. four weeks of the season, we got some um, history too. I mean, it was the longest postseason game ever, right? Or, or not yeah. postseason game? It was the longest winner take all postseason game yes. of all time. Right. Which yeah. you texted me uh, right as I was like getting ready to just maybe sit down and stop standing because we stood almost the entire game. Um, ever, I, I got a text from you too. It really made me laugh really hard. It was. Um, you texted me, like,
0: right around that time saying, man, Madden's really got to put in it Just – someone's got to get on base. It was late in the game. comes are down 1-0. And you're like, man, someone's just got to get on base so Madden can put in that midget speedster. Yeah. And sure enough, like, I was laughing, sure enough, right after that, Rizzo got that knock. And right. Madden put in Gore after that. And before you know it, Gore they didn't even throw to second. He's at second base. Javi gets that, that knock, and then Gore scores. So it's almost like you yeah. called that.
1: There was – there was uh, I believe in the text I said Zobris has to get on. Or, yeah, that was a- so somebody not named Anthony Rizzo, ideally, but that's just not the way it worked out. And then I was sitting about 12 rows up behind Rizzo, and seeing him sitting in that chair, like, just wincing oh, for the I'm so I think that game was, like, painful. Like, yeah. he felt like he was going to, like, put, uh, you know, um, Caratini's jersey on and, you know, try to, like, sneak out there and hit one, like, left handed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He wanted to be in that game so bad. They kept, they kept cutting to him, too, like showing his reactions to everything. It was, it was priceless. <laughs> but you know what? I think um, I think it's hard to do a whole lot for the Cubs because I think they have to hope uh, that the pitchers that they spend a lot of money on are pitchers next year. Right. And, uh, right. I, I I think that more than anything, looking at the World Series team, the thing that we miss the most is the consistent leadoff of someone like Dexter Fowler. And I just don't think there are more than eight to 10 guys like that in the league um, to put up there at the top. Uh, I think you might see uh, Zobrist in the last year of his contract again, try to gut it out up there. I hope Elmore gets a little bit more activity up there, but I don't think that they're going to go spend $250 million or $200 million, you know, whatever the Bryce Harper number comes in at. I think they're going to do, I I think they're going to look for some type of value. Um, and you know what? It's kind of comes from being a season ticket holder and seeing how they've, like, squeezed, you know, every penny they have out of season ticket holders and price and, like, perks and everything. Uh, while, you know, my dad jokes that we basically pay to renovate Wrigleyville. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's deciding if we're going to do the season ticket thing again next year is tough because our seats are average about $200, 225 a game. And, yeah, you know, that adds up. It's a lot. You know, you could travel the world a couple times over for like what you pay in that. And we don't go to all the games, we sell them. But there's a lot of these games that you're selling tickets for. 80 to 120 bucks that are you know 200 face and i've realized that like do you think there's like it's like i've heard the term cubby apathy like now that they've won
0: the world series i noticed that last year i, I quote unquote won the lottery for i think it was nlcs game four, the game we got swept before yeah. that series started and i was like oh like the year before that would have been a huge deal to win playoff tickets to get the tickets and i bought them at face and i noticed I check stuff before the game started maybe this was because they were about to get swept but even before then, when they were down just like one or two to zero, I noticed that the tickets were going for well under what I paid for face. So.
1: Well, yeah, well, I, I would guess that 75, maybe 85 percent of the games sell for under face value on the resale mm-hmm. market. Now. And I think that they've priced it there for a reason. You know, I'm not sure if it's apathy. I think there's some of that, but also I think it's just kind of flip flopped, right? The Cubs, if you could sell a season ticket holder a ticket for 125, and it resells on the market for 150, you know, and they know that they're not idiots, you know, with these scalpers and the the info they get from SubHub, like they're gonna they're gonna raise their ticket price to where they think they can still sell them out. Yeah. Um, and I economics. apathy. I mean, trust me, the, the first thing I, I, I said when we, you know, when Elmore struck out to end that game, I think it was Elmore to end that game, was mm-hmm. at least we won the World Series two years ago. <laughs> right. You know? I know. It's well, the whole thing. Like, the fact that we got it is, yeah. is so key because anything can happen in October, as we've
0: seen. And just getting there is one thing, but then you're competing against, you know, it's like a new season. It's hard. It's hard yeah. to get
1: so, so you know what? I think that if you Darvish comes back and gets, you know, goes eighteen and eight and becomes, you know, a top twenty pitcher, which you know maybe is a dream, but he's done it, and you know they, they think he can do it. Uh, the whole next season is a whole different season.
0: Could be what we need. Yeah, that and more offense. I mean, I'm sure you saw that stat on them. Like only they scored zero one runs in thirty nine games, and only one team was worse, and that was
1: the historically bad Orioles. So I mean, yeah, just, and I, you know what. I, I thought about that, and I'm, I'm not an analytics expert, you know, by any means. We have a friend who obviously is in basketball you can run this by, but I just think a lot of that has to do, when you look at the regular season, with how the reg, how, how how things have shifted with the home run, right? Like, you're basically going all in to win games with, like, these home runs. So you can't be excited that the Cubs have, you know, the first or second highest, you know, run total uh, for the season, or wherever they ended up. I think it was top five but can't score more than one run, you know, in 40 games. Like, you could – if you were to just watch those 40 games, I guarantee you you have situations where guys are on first late in the game with no outs, with one out in a game that's within three – you know, but they're not bunting a guy over anymore. Right. Um, you know, that's it's like they're not, they're not looking to do that. Like, my dad and I talk about it all the time. Like, if Rizzo's going to go through these, like, month-and-a-half fits where, you know, he's hitting just hammered line drives – but the shift is on, well, we, we need to look at dropping a bunch of bunts down the third base line. Right, like, <laughs> Keep them hey. honest. Yeah, I mean, you know, keep them honest. We have to look at slapping the ball the other way. Like, I, I think that, like, the analytic part of that, in my mind, hasn't caught up to, like, adjusting your play for the game. That's an interesting take. Yeah, I have not really thought of it that way. But at the same time, no one wants to see, you know, Rizzo drop a bunt and tear his hamstring running to first base, you know, with no one on. No, definitely uh, no one. But I think a little bit more uh, feeling of what type of game it is, and leading to some of those, you know, situations, is what I think they're going to have to look at if they don't want to have that stat again. Yeah,
0: I agree. I, mean, I think I still think next year. I've I've told you this. I've blind faith in Theo and Jed, and I can't say the same about any other. Sporting franchise that I'm a fan of, I literally trust them to make oh. to put the oh, chips yeah.
1: in the you know put the cards in the middle or chips in the middle and I mean will work out I mean, for real. Do we even make the wild card game without Cole Hamels and Murphy? I don't know, man. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like not. the I don't know what the war is on it since we got them, but it's it's like pretty close, probably. Oh, it's insane. It was it was so good. I mean, their pickups
0: yeah. down the stretch were yeah that that worked out, but unfortunately not enough. But uh, well, we'll have to wait till next year on that one. But moving on, though, your Cubs takes are great. i have to bring you on again to talk about that. But um, the, what are your thoughts on, and I know you're a big Bulls fan, the state of the Bulls right now? Do you like where they're sitting with with all the young talent? Or do you just think that this is just another bullshit scenario where we have the quote-unquote baby Bulls, and then three years from now we've got a new coach, new GM, and we're
1: starting over again? Uh, you know, what? I'm such a fan of the early 2000 championship Pistons teams where there were just five, like, very good players who played together with a strong bench and they won championships. But it just doesn't exist anymore. No. And so, like, when when you watch a team we build, like, the Bulls are, to a certain extent, I thought, the past couple of years, like what the Phoenix Suns were doing, um, you know, so Booker kind of blew up. It's just, like, you just don't see something like a team that's going to compete in the playoffs like do i think they get better this year or next year and they're a seven six seed without any major free agent acquisitions sure you know but right. in this nba like being the seventh seed even in the east is not fun right no, it's basketball hell yeah you're right. getting you're getting blown out you're not getting no lottery you know it, it's not a good place to be so um I don't see the Bulls doing anything. At that same time, I did get free tickets from to the Bulls, and I'm going tomorrow night to sit 10 rows behind the hey. bench. So I'm telling them uh, how let, I feel. Let them
0: know. Yeah, let them know what you right. think. Tar- target guard yeah. packs up um, in their box.
1: You know, when uh, when y- your best player is out for eight weeks and named Lori, you're usually not going to have, like, you know, the toughest team uh, in, in basketball. But, uh, you know, we'll see. I think the Laurie
0: injury, I mean, it's, yeah, they're saying six to eight weeks with an elbow injury. I think if anything, of course, this will be like the headline about this. It's going to give other guys playing time that are young. And I'm, I'm fine with that. I mean, it's, you, you don't really even see the whole season win total change after you got injured. It'll be out two months. I don't know how many games it'll miss, but, but I think if anything, it gives the other guys more chance to develop
1: some cohesion and play without him. But you know, but, the, 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 the fear is just becoming the Sacramento Kings, right? We're like, every year you draft one or two guys who like in college were a stud, you think are going to be a stud. And then they just are very good role players. Like, you know, or at best, like bust on the other end. But that just constantly seems to be like where the Kings are at. Uh, And, you know, that's, that's like where you get stuck as, as the Bulls, I think. You know?
0: So what about, I agree with your take on the Bulls. What about the Bears? I mean, obviously everyone's drinking the Kool-Aid here in Chicago I mean, are are you one of those guys, or do you think that they're still a year or two away, or do you, do you like? And also, give me your thoughts on the on the Mac deal as well.
1: You know what? the 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 Bears are fun. Like for all I care, like watching them is fun. Uh, they easily could be four and zero. Obviously, Trubisky. Uh, you know, Cutler looked disinterested. Trubisky's face always makes me think he's an idiot, although I don't think that he is. <laughs> um, he just always looks like he doesn't know what just happened, but he's <laughs> running a pretty complicated offense, so I'm going to stop bothering him. That's true. And you know what? To me, it's a little bit like it's an adjustment as a fan. The defense is great, but like, you, you know, I'm, I'm a Chicago Bears fan from the day I was born, and so I like seeing... You know, a stat line where Howard gets 30 carries right up the middle and we just pound the ball in. Still fair style. But we also don't really win like that ever. So, like, (laughs) I can't be too upset that, you know, Tariq Cohen looks like he's stealing kids' lunch money, just running (laughs) sweeps back and forth uh, across. And to be honest, it's also nice to have a, a coach on the offensive side who's an innovator uh yeah. Just doing things that other people are jealous of. I remember, like a week before the season started, Peter King did his you know Monday Night Football in America thing and wrote an article that he'd been to all the camps and the camp he was most impressed with was the Bears and said that their offense is going to blow people away. And I pretty much decided I was going to boycott Peter King for the season. Uh, <laughs> But, but they're fun. They're fun to watch. And it's they, like, what else do you want? You know? They are. I mean,
0: like the Bears, when you come out, this is like no secret. Everybody knows this. They've been coming out in their games. Their first drive, there's these scripted drives where they have it all week in practice to to yes. play. In practice, they, they look unstoppable in these drives, like the Rams do for an entire game. But then it just it reaches that inevitable point in like whatever, the mid-first quarter, mid-second quarter, where it just stalls out. And I feel like a lot of that's obviously Trubisky making his reads. But I'm just waiting for that. He's got to grow. He needs that growth and development. But I feel like just seeing that that game script that Nagy goes through and like those we're scoring almost every first drive
1: so far that shows a lot of promise for sure. You have to also love that you know naggy if it's naggy Nagy. i still don't know if it's naggy yeah, i don't even know it just looks like you like you could be with five other guys in a dusty dark bar watching sports and he could be talking to you and you could leave and be like was that matt naggy because he just <laughs> looks like 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 he sits at the end and is like the owner's son yeah uh, of like a ukrainian village sports bar maybe but maybe- i mean i like it i i, I like Khalil mac uh i did not like the trade at the time but the fact is uh that trade has worked out and you really can't say that it hasn't. You know, yeah. in my opinion in my opinion, when you do a trade like that, it's not so much betting as the GM that you can withstand the pressure of the next two years of not having those first round picks. It's betting on the fact that you can go find The wide receiver you need to get next year, that's the Tui Cohen in the fourth round,
0: right? Right, right. For me, too, it's like I I don't like the fact that they double paid for him, meaning like they they gave up those first rounders and and flipped that. But they also paid him, literally. They gave him the the money and the deal. So I was just like – for me, I couldn't get past the fact like, hey – I know this wouldn't happen, but, you know, if he goes to free agency, just sign him there and don't lose your guys. So there's double paid for him. And obviously right now everyone's drinking the Kool-Aid and why not? The guy's unbelievable, but I can't help but think, hey, two years from now when our window's actually there, I feel like he jumped, uh, pace might have jumped the gun a little bit, obviously worrying about his job and stuff. And I, I respect the fact that he wants to win now, bringing all the guys in, but I think it's pretty clear in this division, although it's not as clear now as it was a few weeks ago, that's going to be tough. But having said that, they're three and one. You
1: know what I mean? Like they could be. Yeah, more, more. But, but but also it's like I, you know people act in their own best interest in the short term in the NFL yeah. by more than any other sport. Pace is not a GM who was brought in this year with Nagy. He's been there what four years now. This is yeah. his you know third coach technically, second coach really. I mean, he doesn't have a huge window. You know if if no. they go you know four and twelve, five and eleven this year. Uh, he's out of a job anyway, so right. I think it, and that's uh, why I'm worried that the deal was made. Right, either. right, right. But in his mind, you know, he's like, well, let, let's make a run and make the playoffs. Uh, I probably bought myself a four-year right. extension, and um, I'm
0: worried that that extension, you know, they're gonna. Max, they're going to lose those draft picks and the cap room, obviously, with Khalil Mack making all that money, they had that huge advantage not having to pay Trubisky the next few years assuming he works out with it, which is another jump but they had that huge advantage over the other teams in the division who have paid a lot of money for quarterbacks and I feel like Pace just threw all that money, like everything that we were saving compared to the other three teams in the division was thrown at Mack and I feel like I'm worried that like their window was just not quite open yet
1: and he yeah, jumped the gun. Y- You know what, So look broader, I'm I think in the next four to five years, maybe less, the way this model has gone with getting, you know, loading up on defense while you have a a rookie-scale quarterback. Russell Wilson, i Yeah, I think soon we are going to see a team either trade or elect not to give a big contract to, like, a top 10 to 15 quarterback to try to follow that model, and people are going to have strong opinions either way. You kind of saw it with the Redskins and Kirk Cousins. That wasn't a great example. You know, like, I'm talking someone who's, like, like a 28, 29-year-old who's due for a big contract, and they just elect, you know, to take a rookie, let the guy go, and then, you know, sign a player like Mack and a cornerback instead. Uh, right. Even in a league that's so offensive,
0: you know. So it, it it's almost kind of like, well, I guess, um, what's his name, that went to Denver, Um, the Minnesota just traded Keenan uh you know what I'm talking okay, about Keenum. Case Keenum, yeah, yeah. Case okay. Keenum. It's kind of similar to that, and also I guess Alex Smith. You know, Mahomes is waiting in the wings, so that'll
1: been kind of an example of that. But
0: Kansas well, City, I, uh, I, I'm
1: I'm talking like Patrick Mahomes in yeah. in three years they haven't won a Super Bowl, and they decide that they can find the next Patrick Mahomes instead of pay him. You know, like uh, yeah, okay, yeah, which, I get that which, point. Which sounds crazy, considering if you turn on ESPN, everyone's calling him like a first-bout Hall of Famer after yeah. you know, <laughs> games. But, right. um, you know, like something like that, where ownership is gonna, you know, freak the fuck out because, uh, you know, some guy thinks like that's like the best way to work the cap. Right. That's interesting. But at least the Bears
0: have like shown that they can understand, even though I think Pace's ability to make trades. It's
1: very questionable, especially for the draft last year. But uh, yes, at least <laughs> into the second to the third pick for a guy that yeah. know. Like, you can never explain <laughs> to me how
0: that works. No, I'll never get it. But at the same time, they he showed to embrace that you know building around the rookie deal. But I just I'm worried that since he spent all that extra cap space, everyone's blinded by the light right now on um, Mac because he's been fantastic. But if he goes down, cap space is you know, it's all torn. It's all taken by him. So I just it'll be an interesting thing. I always tell people to hold your horses when you're when you're uh, judging this trade, but right now it looks great. So, so this is actually, damn, we've been talking for a while, haven't we? Um, Let's close out. I'm going to do that Grover Cleveland game that I've played with every guest so far where uh, you pick up a hypothetical, let's say you pick up a thousand dollar Grover Cleveland bill on the ground. The caveat is you have to bet it and these are your bets. So assume it's even money on either side on, on these bets. First, who will make, a Cubs-sponsored Wrigley Field appearance next. Bartman or Sammy
1: Sosa? Sammy Sosa. Interesting. I did think you, the window's closed on Bartman. Do you think it's because they
0: already kind of offered it to Bartman? They gave him the ring, and he just wants to stay out. Yeah, I, I, I think that
1: guy's really fucked up because of what we did to him. Like, <laughs> like now that it's like we're all like okay, I think he's like living with it. And not to make this comparison lightly, like, you know, to a soldier who came back with like a serious PTSD and <laughs> it was mean and cruel. And I was probably meaner and cooler in my words than anyone. Oh, yeah. I, I legitimately um, hated him for a while. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so, looking yeah, back at it. So, so. So, so. All right.
0: That'll be interesting. Will Fred Hoiberg be the Bulls coach at the start of the 2019-2020 season? So a year from today? No. Ooh, interesting. All right, so it's basically saying that the Bulls won't take the next step,
1: uh, or there will be an opportunity to, you know, bring in two free agents and move them, and they, you know, want to get a new coach in line for that. All right, good take. Which
0: team? And I've asked this one to someone, a previous guest. Which team will win the next Chicago sports title? That's not the Cubs. Do you have to bet on one, put the thousand on one team? MLS fire. <laughs> That's actually. Uh, a good no,
1: uh, I, uh, the Blackhawks. Really?
0: Yeah, I think the Blackhawks. Just because in hockey they pretty much there's so much
1: turnover and. Teams yeah, beat, I think a couple really of the young fast. guys now like have enough seasoning. And I, I, I'll be honest, I know very little about hockey. I hate how much people are pretend that they loved hockey the fifteen years before the Blackhawks, you know, got good again. You're not uh, down. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's the weirdest thing in the city to me that everyone has like these sweaters that they put away for twenty years, and now they're the biggest Blackhawks fans they, in the world. But they weren't even I on think, TV. They weren't even on TV no. in the right. Yeah. <laughs> n- I think uh, I think it's the Blackhawks. All right. What
0: about this? Is actually something like you can go bet the Los Angeles Lakers season win total over under forty eight and a half. There's lots of moving parts with the Lakers right now, obviously, but LeBron. I'm gonna say over.
1: Okay. Wait, forty-eight and a half. I was say... it's the yeah. Vegas line. I'll say over. Okay, even in the top West. All right, but I also say LeBron never wins a championship with the Lakers.
0: Oh, so if I was to say zero over under zero and a half titles with the Lakers, you'd say under. I would say zero. Yeah, we might have to make a side wager after this podcast is done but (laughs) um all right last one yes or no you will make a world series of poker final
1: table in your lifetime yes come on Uh, out next october circuit events count i assume yeah circuit events coming soon circuit events Uh, final table yes all right you heard it here first aj
0: cool world series of poker final table we'll see him uh, they don't do the November 9th anymore, but we'll see you in one of these summers playing in, a, in an event.
1: Yes, we'll be out there. I'd I, I buy steak, stake in you, dude. I'd do it if you want to put it out there against the listeners out now. The stake is available. But, you know, to be honest, if I were to, to play a $10,000 event and sell off shares in a stake, I, I would still satellite myself in for 500 bucks and then just keep everyone's money. <laughs> <laughs> just not sell anyone after you get in. <laughs> But <laughs> well, you still get a piece of it. You just wanted, uh <laughs> yeah. I just don't need the staking when I satellite in on one. <laughs> Interesting. All right, I'm going to file that in the memory bank. Yeah, go
0: ahead. All right, man. Well, this damn, we've been talking for a while, but that was really fun. Um, thanks for coming on, sharing some stories, and your, your take on poker and everything. And uh, yeah, man. I, mean, I
1: yeah, want to bring you on. Do you, Do you want to know why you lost that bet in college and had to shave your head? Yeah, why is that? Because you made the stakes the same for someone who shaved their head every three or four months.
2: <laughs> it, was, was a, it was I a was total fool.
1: Dude, that, that
0: damn controller was shaking the whole time because I mean, people see me with very little hair. It's not a good look. It's not a good it was,
1: look. It honestly was a worse look than I thought it would be. It, it was a terrible look. The The
0: ladies were not feeling it. Not that they were in the first place, but it was. And then it
1: lasted for, it for right. the next three years of college, obviously. Oh.
0: And the, the, I never got those, those hair growing pills. It was yeah. just uh, me sitting in my room crying alone to. To Bitches Gone Crazy or whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> All,
1: right, All right, It's good talking to you, man. Thanks for coming on, and I'll have you on again someday. Sounds good. All right, man.
0: Peace. Bye. All right. Thank you for the interview, AJ Cool. Before I close out the pod, I'm just going to touch on the upcoming card this weekend in college football week seven and NFL week six. We've got some big college games coming up on the card, but they all kind of happen to be, or at least seem to be, scheduled for the exact same time. So figure out your shit college football. and Don't play all the good games all at the same time. But we've got a nice card. We have Michigan versus Wisconsin, Washington versus Oregon, Georgia versus LSU, Central Florida versus Memphis, and Colorado versus USC. So some of those look really nice, and we actually have a special message from someone who has a take on a couple
2: of these games? Yo, yo, it's your boy Danimal. Back from Barbados with the bronze of a century here. I know you guys all miss me, but I'll keep this short and sweet. Didn't hit my lock of the week last week, but my second play Illini was a pretty easy win. This week, lockdown UCF Golden Knights. Minus four. I think it's going to keep climbing, but national TV... They beat Memphis, and they win by double digits. So UCF minus four is the lock of the week. If you want a big game, Georgia, if it gets better than seven or even minus seven, take it. And Utah State, don't even know who they're playing, I think it's UNLV, minus 24, they win by 40. I have a feeling Roselli will hate Georgia minus seven and probably hate UCF minus four, but lock in the Golden Knights, minus four. Welcome back, Danimal. Welcome back.
0: All right. Well, hopefully Danimal's plays this week come through. Um, I, my numbers don't really have anything on either side on those. A slight lean, perhaps, to the other side in LSU, catching the points there. Um, but nothing really that warrants a play. That's just a slight lean. But hopefully, hopefully Danimal cashes those for everybody for the Danimal Locks of the Week. Um, Really quickly, I want to touch on the Wisconsin at Michigan game, Wisconsin catching 7.5 points. Um, I'm inclined to look their way, uh, especially after looking more into the game. It's supposed to be a lower-scoring game, so it always leads me to look towards the underdog more in those situations, especially catching 7.5 points. Um, but however, Wisconsin, they're 89th in the country in yards per play on defense so far this season, which is not good at all. Um, that kind of worries me. But on the flip side, when you look at this actual matchup, Wisconsin is 9—they're on a 9-1-1 one, one against the spread run in this matchup against the Wolverines. And even more so, I saw a really interesting tweet, again, from Brandt Powers, who's a good follow on Twitter. In Wisconsin's last 33 Big Ten road games— they have not lost by more than seven points and they're catching seven and a half this week. Um, I'm might isolate this one with a first half under or a first half play on Wisconsin or both. I could see both teams being pretty conservative early in this one and not wanting to make that early mistake. Um, otherwise just a slight lean towards Wisconsin and the under in this one, but we'll see where that line goes in the NFL. We have our first London game this week. So beware when you're looking at that line, um, the Raiders against the Seahawks. Uh, Raiders are not at home. That's a neutral site game. Um, In terms of actual leans and stuff I have in pockets. there's nothing really worth giving out in this podcast right now. I've made a few early positions just on plays that I think um, are getting ahead of the market move. I'm not going to give anything out here, but one side I do lean Atlanta hosting Tampa Bay. That's up to three and a half now, but if you can catch minus three with – Little less juice. We'll just you know, try and get minus. If you can find minus 125, I like that play. Um, don't like to lay any more juice than that, but three is such a key number there. So I definitely lean Atlanta hosting Tampa Bay, even though Tampa Bay's off the bye. And in terms of teaser candidates this week, the Houston Texans are the perfect one for me because they're laying eight and a half points against the Bills at home. Uh, I don't want to lay those type of points with the Texans, but if you could tease them through the seven and the three down to minus one and a half. Uh, as a leg of a six-point teaser leg, I think that's a fantastic candidate this week because you're pretty much just asking for them to win the game outright by teasing them in that instance. So if you find another one, another team to tease them with, one option I would think would be the Steelers on the road against the Cincinnati Bengals. They're catching two-and-a-half points plus two-and-a-half. You tease that one up six points through the three and the seven to eight-and-a-half. You have a situation where you just need the Texans to pretty much win the game against the Bills at home, and then you just need the Steelers to keep it within a touchdown against the Bengals, and you cash that ticket. So that's a teaser I would I would recommend look, taking a look at. Besides that, we don't have any other plays this week to give out. Um, stay tuned. The next episode um, later in the week, most likely Saturday morning. I will have a nice look at the card. That'll be that's all we'll touch on in the next episode this week in a few days. Otherwise, get those doggy juice challenge picks in. I will have the spreads for the. NFL Super Contest I take part of on my Twitter, at DoggyJuice on Instagram and Twitter. I'll have those up by Thursday afternoon. All you have to do is just give me your top five plays against the spread. If you want to use the Thursday night game, that's fine. Give me the other four picks before noon, Central Time kickoff on Sunday. Just give me your top five plays against the spread. If you go 5-0, and 0, you win 25 bucks on Venmo. Someone's already done it in Zizzle Bizzle two weeks ago, so it can be you next week. Just give me your Monday Night Football total score tiebreaker in case more than one guy goes 5-0. and 0. Then we'll have a tiebreaker there, but if anyone goes 5-0, you get a $25 Venmo prize. Good luck to everybody. I'll be back in a few days, and then next week we'll have our NBA preview. Can't believe NBA season starts next Tuesday, but it's true. So we'll be back in a few days. I'm excited for things to come. Good luck on your bets, and I will talk to you soon. Doggy Juice out.